Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorced Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Tarasio. I'm the owner of Modern Law, a family law firm in the Phoenix area. I've been a divorce attorney for more than 15 years. I've got four kiddos and I'm divorced myself. And on this podcast, we're going to cover everything related to divorce, be it legal issues, financial issues, children issues, blended family issues, counseling, mediation, and more. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hi, this is Billy Tarasio with the Modern Divorce Podcast here for an exciting episode with one of my very favorite people, one of Modern Law's oldest employees and somebody who I've watched grow up over the last 10 years, Candace Tully. Candace, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy that you are willing to share your story. Your biography has always been one of the most powerful that people really um, connect with because your story is so raw. You didn't have an easy background. So tell people kind of what brought you here to family law and how it's affected you. Totally. So um, I actually fell into family law accidentally. Um, Super, super long time ago, about nine years ago, um, I was in a really bad relationship with a young baby and really wanted to be able to be there for him. But my love for the law was always kind of lingering. It was really something that I wanted to get involved in. Um, So I had just left my bad relationship and I drove cross country to Rhode Island for the summer and was, you know, just trying to find work to do um, ways to make money. And I decided that I wanted to go back to school and I really wanted to get involved with the law to kind of fulfill that dream. Um, And I found the paralegal program online at Rio Salado. And at the same time that I had enrolled in classes. So this is even pre any paralegal background. Uh, I found a receptionist ad at a law firm in Arizona, which turned out to be modern law. And um, I came back from from vacation and I kind of started my life over and I've been here ever since. So nine years in family law and all with modern law. Well, um, and I'm I'm so happy to have had you for nine years. But when you (laughs) showed up, when you showed up nine years ago, you were a single mom who was very young with a very young child. Now, how did that happen? That's, that's an even longer story. So I, I met my ex in high school. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I was like 16. When we when we got together, he was a year younger, he was 15. And I was friends with his sister in school and unknowingly had no idea that he that she had a brother that I would, you know, date forever. And so one day I went over to her house to hang out with her and there he was. And it was like sparks, love at first sight, right? Young love, 16 and 15, have no idea what we're doing or getting ourselves into. Um, But he was a total bad boy. Everyone loved him. All the girls loved him. And I was just like, oh, he loves me and this is great. And all eyes are on us. So it was, it was total chaos from the start. Um, and I should have known there were so many instances where there were red flags, but being so young, it's like, you, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Um, and he convinced me at some point that he wanted a baby. He really wanted to be a dad. Um, he, he, you know, he, that's all he thought about. And we had many conversations and, and many arguments about me getting pregnant. And when I couldn't get pregnant, why that wasn't happening. Really? And yeah, he would get he he would record me 
and I didn't know, but he would record me coming out of the bathroom, like on a hidden laptop. And when I would show him the negative test, he would get physically upset. Oh no, I had no idea. Yeah. And this was like, I mean, I was probably 17 because by the time I was 18, I was pregnant. So for almost two years, we were actively trying to have a baby. (laughs) That is not the typical teenage pregnancy story. Although I bet it's probably more common than we think. Right. And, and that's, what's, that's, what's terrifying is that, you know, my parents had no idea, you know, I'm, I'm 16, 17, I'm living at home. I'm in high school and all this time, they have no idea that my only goal is to get pregnant and make my boyfriend happy. Like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you know, they're, they, they saw the red flags. They knew he was violent. He had a temper. He had substance abuse issues. He was, he was a wild child. And that's what attracted me to him because I didn't, I didn't have that lifestyle. I was pristine. I went to school. I got good grades. I had a lot of friends and he was like this interruption to my life. You know, I, I was going, I took piano lessons. I went to ASU to play piano, you know, like that was not my life was with him. And so, yeah, by right after my 18th birthday, I had just graduated high school and I found out that I was pregnant. So how did that feel? Were you excited? I was, I was excited because I think, I think I had the wrong excitement. I felt like I had, I'm a goal person and I felt like I achieved the goal. Right. And I just felt like now I could get him off my back. Like we could have a real relationship and this, this anger towards me not being able to get pregnant, like that was out of the way. And now we, we were going to have a baby and he should be happy. Right. I should have made him happy. And it was the complete opposite. It was first, you're not really pregnant. I want proof. And then when there was proof, it immediately went to, it's not mine. It's not mine. There's no way that's my baby. And I don't know what changed in his head, but I was like, it's very clear that I'm pregnant. And I don't know who else would be having this baby with me because that was our only goal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, it's so hard because teenagers are, you know, teenagers, they're children. They have, you know, we have warped senses of relationships and how to be in them and love. But this sounds like an incredibly abusive relationship. Yeah, it it really was. And I and I think the problem is that you don't think that a, a teenage relationship can can hit that level of abuse. So I think that's why it took me such a long time, even in my twenties and in my older years to be like, he was abusive. He was manipulating me. He was controlling my every move because I just thought we love each other. We're going to have a baby. And that's, that's really all I knew when I was 18. And it wasn't, it wasn't until later that I could really process that he was just irrational and, and, and he, and he did get violent. It, it led to him becoming so mentally unstable and he was so addicted to his lifestyle, this image that he had created of being powerful and, and having control over me that it just spiraled from there. It was just chaos. Wow. <gasps> um, so 
you have been raising this baby who's now, how old is he? He's 12. Oh my gosh. You've been mm-hmm. raising him pretty much by yourself, right? Yeah. He, um, he hasn't seen his dad, I think since his fourth birthday. So we're probably going on about eight years now. Okay. And I want to know, I mean, one of the biggest fears that moms have or tips that you could give is like, how can you raise a baby without a dad? Right. Uh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying for a bunch of different reasons. And for so long, I've just felt guilty because I knew he was in a situation that I had to leave. And I, and I kind of hit a breaking point because we were together, you know, for almost four years after my son was born and it was just constant. I was, I was mothering two kids. I was really trying to get him a job, get him on track help him finish school. He didn't graduate high school. Um, He was physically violent with me. He gave me several bloody noses. He was verbally abusive. He controlled my every move and I was going to work and I would come home and he was using heroin in the house with our son there. And I took him to rehab and I tried to get him you know, fixed. And in the meantime, I was falling apart and my son was falling apart. Even at three, I could tell that this was just killing him. And so a long, for a long time, it was just guilt. It was, I know I have to take him out of this, but what, what is that going to do to him? Is it better to stay and hope that he fixes himself so that my son can see his dad? And I decided, no, it it wasn't what was going to be best for him. Um, and so it took us a really long time. And when I say us, it was myself and my son. It took us a long time to figure out our lives without him. There was so much missing just because he wasn't around that we had to, we had to find a whole new way of, uh, it was a new lifestyle. Um, and that was much more than just how do I get him to and from daycare? How do I pay for daycare? How do I pay for his necessities? Because he hasn't, when I say a penny, not a single penny of child support. And so it really put all of the pressure on me to do everything. I I was the only parent for a really, really long time until I met my boyfriend now who we're working on blending our family and it's still every day is kind of a challenge, but I made that decision because I knew it, it had to be done. It was going to be what was best for him. Okay. Let's take a quick second and talk about the legality of the situation. So in your particular situation, the dad um, was not on the birth certificate. Right. He was not there when he was born. So he's not on the birth certificate and paternity has never been established. Correct. Yep. You are, you are his only legal parent. Right. And one of the decisions that you made, because you've been working at family law firm for a million mm-hmm. years is not to pursue child support because it would mean establishing paternity. Right. Yeah, that was that was a long, long drawn out conversation that I had to have with a very, very close friend who was an attorney and was kind of helping me process it was that it was not it was not going to be worth it. Um, Because if I was going to file for anything, I would file because they wanted to have a relationship and I wanted to solidify that. And I didn't want to just file and bring him back in the picture for some money that I may or may not even get. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough choice in your situation. I think, I think dad was not really working. Um, wasn't, you couldn't count on support. And so in, in your, your decision was, you know, it's going to be better to retain this control. Right. 
for now until he files. I don't want to poke the bear. Exactly. And he was in and out of jail and I didn't want to, I didn't, I don't want to kick dirt in his face. I was just like, you go your way. I'll go my way. And if, and when you're ready, you know where to find me. And the other thing that that did legally, that was, that was really interesting is it prevented his parents from getting grandparents rights. Right. And they tried, they tried, they did file for a grandparent visitation almost almost immediately after we officially broke up and I would not let him. So the, the conditions were that he could come see our son at my house. I was living with my parents and I would supervise because of the violence and Mm -hmm. substance abuse. And I, I actively knew he was using and he hated that. Right. Because I took away all of his control. Now the ball was in my court. So his parents then took action and filed and had me served. We had to go to court. We went through the whole process And um, the judge did dismiss it because paternity had not been established. They told dad that he would need to file and he never filed. And then shortly thereafter went to jail. So it didn't didn't work out. So in in your case, you know, you really have made some good decisions along the way. You know, maybe planning to get pregnant at 16 probably was. You know, what are you going to do? I know. Since then, you have really. managed this in the best way possible and really leaned on your family to support you, which I think is so great for not only you, but you and your son. Right. And now when did your boyfriend come into the picture? Uh, We started dating about four and a half years ago. I think it was right before my son's eighth birthday. Okay. And how, how was that? (laughs) It was rough. It was really rough. I really, so I, you know, that, that whole gap between my current boyfriend and my ex, there were no other boyfriends. There weren't. And I, and I stood strongly by that because my son was so young and he was at such an age where he was just still so tender, you know, from not having his dad and trying to figure out why I don't have my dad at school and why it's only my mom that comes to my baseball games. And it was just a weird time for him. And I really made him my focus. Um, and so I took that time off from dating. Um, you know, I would, I would go out and meet people, but that was really only for my mental health benefit to like get out of the house and no one came around him. He was, he was my most prized possession. I put all focus on him. Um, and so when my current boyfriend came around, that was, it was weird for my son because not only was he at an age where he, he and I had already talked about his dad and the situation and he knew enough, just enough to be able to process what was going on, but it was just us. And he was like, who is this guy? Like, why is he here? Why is he hanging out with us? Is he your friend? Is he your boyfriend? Like what's his status here? And it was very, very rocky. Um, we, we, we actually broke up and got back together because we were just, he doesn't have kids. And so we were at a place where we just couldn't figure it out. We couldn't connect the dots on what his role was, what authority he had. Can he discipline? Should he just be the friend? But then that didn't relieve me. You know, it was, it was really awkward. Yeah. One of the things I've talked about in other videos is the difference between co-parenting um, parallel parenting and parenting partners. And um, 
like, in my opinion, your boyfriend is your parenting partner and he's there to support you. And you're kind of the visionary and the leader and he's there to support you, but you really have to call the shots. So he's like a a lesser partner because when mom and dad live together, they are true parenting partners, both, you know, equal status, having to figure it out. But like when, when, you know, it's one biological parent, a non-biological parent, you're still partners. You still have both are there to parent and love your child, but like you have to call the shots and figuring that out is like, it is, it is, it's, it's snowball effect. And it's one, it's one thing after the other. Like, I mean, just last night, I, I, I called my son in and I'm like, you have three C's what's going on in here. Like we're a month and a half into school. We should not be having this issue. And my boyfriend has heard me have this conversation with him for, you know, like three or four weeks now. And I've given him now the authority to step in, but he's not the punisher. He is just here to back me up. And that's important for my son because we want him to still respect my boyfriend, we want him to respect him in that role without being the bad guy, which is a really fine line. It's really hard to kind of designate where that starts and stops. But he did say, you know, I've heard your mom talk to you about this a couple of times already. I really want you to start listening to her. We don't want to have to start taking things away. And of course he got upset and he huffed and puffed, but that's much different than even a couple of years ago where it would be, you're not my dad. You can't tell me what to do. My mom tells me what to do. You don't make the decisions. So sure. A lot of it comes with time, I think too, but it was really rough. It's hard still, even now. Well, I think what you just described is so complicated because like you're trying to figure it out. Your boyfriend's trying to figure it out. Your kid's trying to figure it out. And um, one of the things that my counselor suggested to me when I went through this sort of similar thing, because everybody knows I'm divorced and now I have a new parenting partner. And (laughs) one of the things that she told us to do was like, was like, sit down, have a family meeting and come up with like new family promises and be explicit. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the expectation. These are the rules in our house. Normally, mommy enforces the rules. However if this other person tells you to do something like they live here, they are the authority. You have to respect the authority period. Exactly. Exactly. And it was really important to be explicit with the children. Yes. He's not your dad, (laughs) but you still like the same way you have to listen to a teacher about classroom rules. You still have to respect this position of authority. Oh, but it's, it's not easy. No. And that's, that's interesting because that's exact. So Max, Max was, um, my son was also in counseling and Mm -hmm. I was in counseling separately and with him Mm -hmm. and my boyfriend came Mm -hmm. in at some point. So it was like a whole family thing, but he, he really told us the same thing was it's not about, it's not about, um, fixing, you know, covering the hole. I know that there's a void missing. I know that my son is always going to ask about and want to find his dad. And I've told him, whatever you want to know, I will tell you, just know that it may hurt you. You know, like he's, Mm. he's getting to the age now where I can pick and choose what information I give him, but I, I let him know in advance. It might hurt. It might hurt you. And he does, he gets sad. And I know that my boyfriend is not going to ever fix that. It's really just a bandaid. It's really just making sure that he knows that he's loved and we are both on his side, whether or not he's his biological dad or not. So we've had similar conversations. Like he still gets to make decisions. He lives here. He's a part of the family, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm the bad guy. I'm the rule maker still. Yeah. And I think it's, it's especially hard when, um, depending on the, the, who has higher expectations of structure. Mm -hmm. So in my particular partnership, I have higher expectations of structure, which works totally fine when my kids are here, but when his kids are here, (laughs) my higher expectations of structure (laughs) and my role as the non-parent is that's challenging. And I think in, in your case, it sounds like your boyfriend has higher expectations of structure. And so the two of you figuring out, like, how do we run our house? Yes. Yeah. He, I think that was definitely one of the biggest like trauma points when he kind of came in was that he's, you know, he's much more old school and you come home, you do your homework, you play sports, you know, you're athletic. That's just his, that's how he was raised. Right. And I'm like, let's go get lunch. Want to go shopping? Want to go see a movie? You know? So like, I'm much more loosey goosey. Things still get done, but most of the time it has to be five or six times down the road. And he's like, one time I ask you and you do it. So it's, a, yeah. it's finding a hard balance. I have to be stricter. He has to be a little bit softer. We've had that conversation too. Totally. totally. You have to decide how are we going to run our household? Cause the right. kids, kids can operate in lots of different households. Mm-hmm. They just have to know what the rules are. They're, exactly. they're much more flexible than we are. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm finding that out that he's much more, they are so much more adaptable than you think, because like I said, like I, for that whole period of time, I was just like, he's never going to recover. He's never going to be normal. He's never going to be happy. This is going to just mess him up beyond control. What did I do? What, did, how did, how could I make this decision? And I'm not saying it wasn't rough, you know, for the first, I think it really took us two or three years to kind of feel, kind of feel like, okay, like I can breathe now, but yeah. it, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to go through and it's a lot to recover from totally, but it gets better. I recently read a book that everybody should read and it's called the boy who was raised by dogs and, or raised as a dog, the boy who was raised as a dog. And it is written from a child psychiatrist who worked with traumatized children and what he learned. And the book is fascinating. It's like horrific, but not in the, it's not written in the way to make you like ball your eyes out, but the mm-hmm. stories are the children who were in the branch Davidian, you know, who were raised in the cult where everybody, like all their parents died. Right. And, um, and also stories of like satanic rituals that ended up not being true and like just yeah. horrific, horrific situations. But it, it teaches about how children heal from trauma and how you can help them heal from trauma and how we can all heal from trauma. And the most important thing, like the, the most important thing, more important than therapy is the number of high quality relationships that a child has. And that doesn't have to necessarily be a child, a, a parent. And so that's where the step parent role or the teacher role or the aunt role or the grandparents, like the more high quality relationships and supportive adults your child has, the, the better they will be able to heal from trauma. It's totally true. It's totally true. And my, and my, I think my relationship with my family, because that always stayed so strong through whatever, whatever we faced, 
um, that always was solid. And so that was really something that he could rely on that. Okay. People are going to come and go, right. Whatever. But that this family aspect of it is solid. And I think that he's starting to see that now with my boyfriend is that he's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just being able to form those relationships with people for him was really, was really helpful. Because he lost his dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so smart for you to be like, I cannot replace what you've lost. I can only support you as you. Right. So you're a pretty incredible girl. I've always known that, but um, I learned things today that I did not know. Any (laughs) final words of wisdom for our audience? Just, I mean, just trust, trust your gut instinct. Um, I'm, my boyfriend hates when I say this, but moms have a different connection with their kids. It's not any better than a dad's connection, but you know, we, I just feel like we almost have this superpower where we know them better than anyone else. We build that relationship with them and our job is to protect them. And if that means protecting them from someone who biologically helped conceive them, then that's still, you know, that's still important. And they, they will probably regret it. You know, they'll, they'll hold it against you. Max did for a long time. He, he liked to throw it in my face, but it gets better. It gets easier with time and patience and dedication. And I mean, that's, that's all we're here for is to protect them and take care of them. I'm really, really glad that you said that because I don't know that moms always trust their instincts, um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, you know, when your kid's not okay, Mm -hmm. you know it. And like, I don't know whatever you've been taught ladies, but like, don't, don't ignore it. Just don't, don't ignore it. Don't ignore when you think or know that something is wrong, whether that means just talking about it, finding a support group, finding some way to problem solve, just take action and, and trust your gut. Thank you so much, Candace. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Remember, anything you've heard today or anything you read online is not the replacement for actual consultation with an attorney and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Even if you called in and we spoke to you, you are anonymous and we don't have your details and you have not become a client of Modern Law. However, we would love to speak with you or you should seek out the advice of legal counsel or counseling or any other expert near you. And if you have an idea for a show topic or you need to speak with an attorney in Arizona, you can reach me at info, I-N-F-O, at mymodernlaw.com.